Father, we thank you for this opportunity to stand one more time this side of eternity and open your word, hear what it has to say. Move upon us, O Lord, with attentive ears and spiritual minds that we would discern and understand what God's communication and encounter with us today is about. May we leave here, O Lord, today inspired, encouraged, strengthened, and lifted by your word. Touch me, O God, and anoint these lips that I can speak the meditation of my heart. And may those words be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength, our deliverer. Amen and amen. You know, we talk so many times about revival and what we need to do to have revival. We had four nights of great meeting with brothers and sisters of the Baptist faith just a week or so ago. We enjoyed the fellowship. We enjoyed being around one another, enjoyed the singing, the music, the preaching, and all. But revival is intended to change us. Revival is intended to transition us into a place that God wants us to be. Change is something that is inevitable about God's Word. Strange coming from a God who said, I am the Lord and I change not. But in order for us to be in relationship with Him, there's got to be this constant change in us because of our earthliness and because of our fleshliness. The Lord has to convert us from our way of thinking for spiritual reasons. For our carnal mind is enmity against God and it's not subject to the laws of God. There is something about our human nature that just really doesn't want to, you know, submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's actually a scripture, a command. Submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will, what? Lift you up. For God gives grace to the humble but he resisteth the proud. So then the one thing that keeps us from hearing from heaven or hearing from God is a nature that is within us that is driven by pride. The prideful heart and the prideful mind can never communicate with the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God only works through channels of submission to him. He gives grace to the humble. He gives a word to those that have ears to hear. What has to happen for me to have ears to hear from God? Well, number one, we just covered that, is a submitted heart. A submitted heart. A submitted mind that wants to hear from God. And that's the second one. You see, not just be submitted, but have a desire. David said, the desire that is in my heart is a desire for God. Jesus said, of all the things that are in my heart, there's one thing that is consuming all others. And he said, that's the business of the Lord's house. Jesus even put it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these other things will be added to you. You see, more important than talking on the cell phone, it's a desire to hear the word of the Lord. More than to hear what's going on with uh, Sunday school Sally or Deacon Dan or Elder Eddie is to have a desire to hear from God, to hear what God's word has to say. In fact, Paul said, the desire of my heart is after the inward man. And he said, the law of the Lord, my delight is in the law of the Lord and his law I meditate, he said. Day and night I meditate because I want that word. I want to hear a word from the Lord. I think what the contemporary church needs today is a word from the Lord. And that recipe for revival that we all know in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 
if my people, if my people, not anybody else, the people of God. Revival is the responsibility of God's people. In other words, if we want it, we can have it. In other words, if we pay the price for it, we can experience it. If we position ourselves for revival, then revival will come. If we long and intend and purposefully set our hearts and our minds on revival, then revival will come and revival will be experienced. But it will never happen until if my people will humble themselves and pray. He gives grace to the humble. If my people will humble themselves. And there again, it's a choice we make. He actually said, Michael, if my people will humble themselves. It's not something God does. It's something you do yourself. You submit yourself. You become humble to the hand of God in your life. If my people will humble themselves and they will pray. And they will pray. Somebody say, and they will pray. And they will pray. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Not just pray, but pray a prayer that is intent upon seeking his face. It did not say seeking his hand. Many people pray seeking God's hand. What is that? I want him to do something for me. Some people, all their prayers are about seeking his hands. Come on, you folks. I'm trying to preach to you this morning. They want him to do something. But God said, in the day that you seek my face, what's his face all about? Re relationship. It's about knowing him. And in the final analysis, Jesus said, depart, I never knew you. God wants to know you. You can never know God until you seek his face. Seek his face. Prayer that brings revival is a prayer that seeks his face, not his hands. Yes, he said, cast all your care upon him. Yes, he said, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. Yes, he says, call upon me in the day of trouble. Yes, that has its place. But the prayer that brings revival is a prayer that seeks his face. That says, Lord, I just want to be with you. Lord, I want to experience you. Lord, I want to feel your presence. I want to encounter you. I want to be in your presence. I want to be where you are. I want you to touch me with those things that are prevalent where you are. I want to hear from heaven. I want to be in touch with God. I want, I want God to give a sound to me that will let me know I've heard from heaven. Wow, that's, that's spectacular stuff when we thought, think about the spirit of the Lord that does that. Did you notice in that Second Chronicles 7 Verse 9 through 14, he said it was in the eighth day that they made a solemn assembly. And for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and then seven feast days. All right? Eight days plus 14 days equals what? Did y'all not go to math class? I know you got a calculator down. You don't have to think, but... That's 22, 22 days. What is today? I can't hear you. Oh, you know the date. Hallelujah. July 22nd. Well, let's listen to what happened here. Look at verse 10. And on the three and 20th day of the seventh month, then what was that? July 23. When is that? Tomorrow. And on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away back home. We're going to dismiss here after a while and we're going to let you go back to your tent. Go back to your house. Go back to your job. Go back to your 
living. Go back to your, your neighbors. Go back to where you live. You get in your car and do the things you do in life. You're going to leave this place. And on the 23rd day, as they were leaving that place, he sent them away. They were glad and they were merry in heart for the goodness that the Lord had showed unto David and Solomon and Israel and his people. Hey, I preach to you a lot of times it's important how you come. I even threatened one time to put the pulpit in the foyer and preach to you coming in because it's very important how you come in. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving. You enter into his courts with praise. You enter into his holy place by being thankful unto him and blessing his name. You come before the Lord with praise. It's important how you come in because if you come in right, you'll go out right. When you go out, you'll go out with gladness and you'll be merry in your heart because of the goodness that God had showed to you during your visit to his house. Woo! Somebody praise the Lord for that. Oh, it's important that we get a sound from heaven, and it was in just such an atmosphere. Solomon finished the house of the Lord, the king's house, and everybody came to Solomon's heart. God gave him a heart to make that house and build that house. But listen at verse 13, okay? And if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, in other words, if things should change, that while you're going around being merry and singing spiritual songs and blessing the Lord, oh my soul, if things suddenly change and there's no grain in the field and, and rain has stopped and there's no oil in the presses and times are difficult and times are hard and trouble comes a-knocking. Have you ever been sailing along nice and sweet and all is well and suddenly trouble came a-knocking? Have you ever been experienced pleasant times, good times, and suddenly, you ever had a suddenly, and suddenly things changed and skies were no longer bright and sunshiny? and storm clouds gathered, and you wondered what in the world am I going to do? I loved it when I left church last Sunday. I was glad, and I was merry, and I was happy, but something happened along the way, and before I could get back to God's house, things changed, and life became hard, and things became difficult, and God said, if my people, when it gets bad times, when it becomes dark all around you, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, 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 then. Oh, have you ever made it to a then? If harvest can just make it to a then, if we can get to that place in God's estimation of a then, then will I hear from heaven. Glory to God. Then will I hear from heaven. I want to tell you, there is one in heaven who hears. There is one who sits upon the throne who hears. The prophet said, Oh, thou that hearest and answerest prayer. That God that sits upon that throne says, I hear you. That God that says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. He says, I hear you. I, I will answer you. Call upon me. You'll find me. Knock, and I'll open the door. Ask, and I'll cause you to receive. Seek, 
and you will find God is a God who hears and he answers prayer. He is not a God that is detached or disassociated. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows how you feel. He knows what's going on. And he simply says, if my people will call upon me, I will hear you in heaven. I'll hear you. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. Then will I hear in heaven. And I will heal. I will heal. I'll heal your land. I'll forgive your sins. Wow. Heal our land and forgive our sins. When, God, when we humble ourselves and when we pray and turn from our wicked ways and seek your face. What a prescription that is for revival. What we need to do to hear from heaven. Our God has promised that when we go through times of correction and instruction, he said, if I send this. Come on, somebody. If I send this. If I have been walking at a distance from God, like Peter following from afar off, and the Lord sends a situation or a circumstance that's designed to cause me to correct my way and correct my steps. See, sometimes those things you think the devil is doing, God is using. He's using it for a purpose because he don't want you to keep going on like you're going. He don't want you to keep on traveling like you're traveling. He wants you to alter your way. He wants you to change your steps. And sometimes that difficulty you think is the devil giving you a hard time is actually God trying to cause you to stop and think. In fact, the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Sometimes that word you're waiting to hear may be a word of correction. And you thought it was a word of pity and sympathy for you. And God said, uh, no, that's not the word. The word is repentance. The word is correct your steps. The word is alter your path. The word is get, get closer. You're, you're wandering too far. Come on, somebody. God said, if I send that, if I send pestilence, if I send drought, there's some things that you've laid off on the devil that actually is God trying to get your attention and God trying to help you to come to your senses and realize that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. 1 Kings 8, 4, 49 says, Then hear thou their prayer and their supplication in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause. Psalm 20 and 6. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. I'm glad he does. He saveth his anointed. And he will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. He will hear from heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. I'm sure glad today that I have a God that when I pray he hears me. I'm glad I pastor a a group of people that when they pray, God hears and he has a saving hand, a delivering hand, that his intention is to keep his anointed, that his eye is upon the righteous, that his ear is cupped to their cry, that his hand is extended in their direction, that God cares about his people, that God has a word to say to us. In the midst of the storm, he says, peace be still. In the times of death and sorrow, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In the times when you need direction, he says, I will direct your steps. He is a God that has a word for us. In fact, the Bible said in Psalm 107, he sent his word and he healed them. And he delivered them from their destructions. Wow. 
Needless to say, every word of healing that comes from the Lord, Satan's got a discouraging word to substitute for it. Did you know that he opposes everything that is God? Did you know that he comes against everything that is good for you? In fact, the Bible says this to every one of you. Everyone of you sitting in this house, look at me right in the eye. I want you to hear me say this. God said nothing that is good for you will he withhold from you. Can I say that again just to make sure you get it? Nothing that is good for you will God withhold from you. Does that mean, pastor, that God filters everything that comes to me? You mean that God has filtered some things that might not be good for me and kept them from coming my way? Boy, if there are somebody in the aisle right now just dancing your shoe heels off. You mean God can say, no evil shall come nigh thy dwelling? You mean God can say no weapon that the enemy fashions against you will prosper? You mean that God has made a way for my escape in the midst of every temptation, every dilemma, every heartache, every sorrow? God has made a way for me? You mean he's already filtered what's going to happen to me tomorrow? Do you mean he's got a list going on over here? She don't need that. Let's get that to her. That's a blessing. Now mark that one off. Boy, you'll get this in a minute and it'll bless your heart. No wonder his eyes are upon the righteous and his ear cut to their cry. Everything that God's got that's good for you, the devil has got a counter offer. He always insubordinates the word of God. He knows the power of God. He knows the power of a word from heaven for you. And he does his very best to subvert that word. In the garden, God said, eat of everything that is in this garden. It's all yours to enjoy. You don't have to toil. You don't have to do anything. Just help yourself. But there's one tree. And the day that you eat of it, you'll have spiritual death. That'll mean you'll be estranged from me. You won't have fellowship with me. The day you eat of it, our fellowship dies. Come on, somebody. So, how wonderful it was what God did for us in the beginning. But then there was a slimy serpent that slithered his way into the garden. Now, I'm going to tell you about where he came from in just a minute. Slithered his way into the garden, and he said, to Eve, what about that tree right over there? Oh, that's forbidden. That's the one tree that God said we cannot eat of. And the day that we eat of that tree will die. And the serpent, who was the loveliest creature. I wonder what a, a walking snake would be like. As a country preacher would say, God cussed him and he had to crawl on his belly. wonder what he looked like when he was walking. When he slithered and slimed his way into the garden. I want to tell you something. You, you may have a garden that God's doing great things. You may have job, family, home. Everything's a great garden. Good things going on. God's provided and God's blessing. 
and things are going well. It's just into such wonderful circumstances that the serpent will slither and slime his way. He will spoil any man's Eden. Are you listening to this preacher? The Bible said he has come to do nothing else but kill and steal and destroy. He's a murderer. Jesus said he was a murderer. His number one attack is on God's promises and God's plan for you. When Eve told him the God said we would die, he contradicted her. You shall not surely die. God has told you that because he knows that the day you eat of that fruit, you will become a God like him. So equality wasn't really a new thing to our generation, is it? He knows that you'll be equal to him. You, you won't be subordinate to him anymore. Now is that pride or is that pride? You mean I can become a God that he's pulled the wool over our eyes and told us not to eat this tree because he knows if we eat this tree we'll become a God like him and he's wanting to keep us subordinated unto him? Well, I'm going to eat. You see, when you buy the devil's tale, and you buy his story, and you believe his propaganda, and you believe his lies and his innuendo, then the result is catastrophic. For every one of us, that was a catastrophic decision that Eve made. And the sad part about it was she went home and gave it to her husband. What a wimp. What a wimp. He could have recognized, no, that's the forbidden fruit. Boy, I wish he had. Man, I wish he'd have stood up to that woman. We wouldn't be in this mess we're in if he'd just been a man. There wouldn't be any death and heartache and sorrow. Hospitals, emergency rooms, fatalities on the highway. Charles, that would never, ever be a part of this world if he had just looked at that and said, no, that's the fruit God said no. Now, we'll talk about getting some repentance for you, but you're not going to include me in that. What a wimp and how sad for all of us. Because God then said, you can't stay in the garden. You got to leave the garden. You see, when God came down for fellowship, they had a fellowship meeting every day. We used to call Wednesday night fellowship meeting. Come on, you got to have hair the color of mine to know that. Fellowship meeting on Wednesday night. Yeah. Had YPE on Friday night. My Lord, brother Jerry, why so many serve? We loved each other. We just loved being around one another. We went to church just about all the time. Just loved to be together. Amen. Just love what God did when we all got together. And if, if we didn't have enough to do, we, we'd have a singing every third Saturday night. We had church on Friday night. We just planned one on Saturday night and Sunday and Sunday night so we could just go to church all weekend. No, I'm not going to do that to you. Don't get scared. Someone say, oh, God, have mercy. But you see, when people love one another and love to be with one another, they look for opportunities to get together. Yeah, your friends, your good friends, when they call you, hey, I just took, got a cake out of the oven. Why don't y'all come on over and eat some cake and drink some coffee? Sure, we'll be there in a minute. Come on. Hey, I've ordered a piece. I didn't know maybe me and him can eat all that. Y'all come over and help us eat this. I'll be right there. Your friends and people you enjoy being with, you look for reasons. Wouldn't it be something if God's people loved one another and loved being in God's presence so much that they looked for 
opportunities to get together. You know, when I was a kid, they used to have what they call seeking services. Probably never heard of a seeking service. Sue knows about seeking services, I know. A seeking service is where you just go and seek the Lord. Nobody preaches, nobody sings, nobody does anything. You just come in, kneel down in the altar, and start seeking the Lord. If you're seeking for the Holy Ghost, you'd find you a seeking service to go to. I heard one preacher say, I went to 27 nights straight in a row to seeking services before I got to baptism. People used to seek the Lord for what they needed from God. They would seek Him, and they would have seeking services. They didn't really even have to get permission from the pastor. They just all get together and, and pray. Men used to get together and have prayer meetings, and they'd go up on the side of the mountain, and they'd put rocks around it, build them a pit of some kind, and they'd go in there. They, they said that sometimes they would, on their way up there, they'd think of a lost soul that needed to be saved. They'd pick up a rock, and they'd come and they'd put it in that pile, and they'd stand and pray over that pile, and take oil and anoint it with oil, and pray that God would save the souls of the people whom that rock represents. Those were days when we needed to hear a word. Those were days when we were hungry to hear from God. Those were days when we were really energetic about hearing from, from our, our, our great God. For every promise God gives, Satan says, no, he won't. For every gift of God, Satan says, don't trust him. For every blessing God has, Satan has a, I've got something better. For every word of instruction God gives, Satan says, don't listen. For every light God shines, Satan has darkness to obscure it. For every opportunity to praise, Satan has a plan to silence it. It's like Jesus said to Peter, said, are you also going to go away? The crowd had all laughed because Jesus spoke some hard sayings. I would do a series of sermons on the hard sayings of Jesus, but the crowd would dwindle so low we couldn't take it. Jesus said some hard, harsh things. Come on, somebody. He said, if you don't love me more than husband or wife or home or family or children, you're not worthy of me. That's a harsh saying. Come on, somebody. That's hard. He had just finished some hard sayings about no man can serve two masters. He just finished saying some very hard things. And the Bible said, and he thinned out the crowd. They all went away. And Jesus turned to the disciples. And he said, wilt thou also go away? What he was saying, Natalie, was now's your chance, guys. And Peter spoke up and he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Oh, talking about needing to hear from God, needing to hear from heaven. I want to tell you there's something more important than whatever else you're hearing, and that's hearing from God. There's something more important than what you're listening to. It's listening to God. There's something you need to hear more than you need to hear the newspaper or the evening news. It's a word from the Lord. God, help us to get to a place that we desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. That early church was a persecuted church. You know when the church was birthed? It was birthed when they heard a sound from heaven. Can you put Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 up there? Brother talking about hearing from heaven, this is what I want to hear. You know when I threatened to put little battery charged tinglers in those seats there, that when I wanted you to shout, I'd push a button, it would shock you all. Right here's the point, I'd, I'd push the button. And when the day of Pentecost was come, they were all together in one place. Next verse. And suddenly, suddenly, 
suddenly. That's my hope today is that we can get into a spirit of suddenly. I pray that we can get into a purpose of suddenly. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind. Praise God. Now, when Jesus was ascended up, you better come on, Connor. It's getting late and they're getting a little antsy with me. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. There was 520 people present when he said that. But on the day of Pentecost, what does it say there were? 120. He said you can have power to 520, but only 120 went to seek for it. Come on, pastor. You see... I can preach that word and I can put it on the table. But I can't make you eat it. I can tell you it's for you. I can tell you God wants you to have it. I can tell you that God is anxious to pour out that blessing upon you. But if you don't go to the upper room, if you don't get somewhere that you say, God, I'm a candidate. I want that. I need that. I need that. If, and for me to be what you want me to be, I've got to receive that. For me to do what you've called me to do, I've got to have that anointing. For me to fulfill your plan and your purpose for me, I've got to get to that upper room and I've got to hear that sound from heaven. I've got to hear from heaven. I said, I've got to hear from heaven. I've got to, I've got to tune my ear in. I've got to get my, my antenna up so I can hear from heaven. And the Bible said, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared a little cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That 120 came down of that upper room and they were speaking in languages and dialects of 19 nationalities that were gathered to celebrate the day of Pentecost. Peter, who had wandered afar off and denied the Lord, was selected by God to preach on the day of Pentecost. And he preached and said, This Jesus whom you slew, God hath highly exalted him. This Jesus that you nailed upon a tree. This Jesus is the son of the living God. He preached a sound from heaven so powerful that they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And the Bible said that Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And from that time forth there was 3,000 that was baptized that day and the Bible said with great power with great power preached they the word of the Lord and the number of disciples was multiplied daily wow what a powerful and mighty God to pour out his spirit. Wasn't long before they got arrested for preaching. Beat their backs to a bloody pulp. And the Bible said, and being let go, chapter 4 of Acts, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported the things which they had seen and heard. And after they had reported the things that they'd seen and heard, Acts chapter 4, verse 29, and now, Lord, they prayed. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings 
And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And then they heard from heaven. I said then they heard from heaven. What happened, pastor? Read that next verse down there. And when they had prayed, verse 31, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Look at verse 33. And with great power, great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Great grace. Great power. Great grace. You know why the devil hates for you to praise? You know why the devil hates it when you offer up a worship unto the Lord? Because the first time that we ever heard from heaven was in Genesis chapter 1. The first time this earth ever heard from heaven. The earth was dark. The earth was void. And darkness ruled and reigned. In other words, there was a whole lot of nothing out there. And God looked out into nothing. I said, God looked out into nothing and said, let there be. Let there be light. And there was light. First time this earth ever heard heaven speak, God said, let there be light. Out of all of that chaos, out of all of that disorganized mess, God spoke a word. Have you ever had God to speak in your chaos? Have you ever been going through all kind of situations and God spoke to you in the midst of your chaos? And everything, listen, God didn't say, well, we're going to need some current here. He didn't say, we're going to need a bulb here and we're going to have to have gases in that bulb and we're going to have to find a, a filament and we're going to have to find a, a power source here. No, when God speaks, everything that needs to come together comes together. When this earth responds to a word from heaven, when that word gets spoken, everything comes together. When Jesus stopped that funeral procession outside of a little city called Nain, there was a little widow woman who had already lost her husband. Now she'd lost her son. As that funeral procession neared our Savior, our Savior walked over to that bier, to the casket. He didn't say, now heart, you pump so many milliliters of blood, and now carpuscles, you, you, you start doing your work in arteries, Heart, you start beating lungs, you start. He just simply said, Arise! And everything came together that needed to come together. You see, while you're trying to figure out what all needs to come together, and you're trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, that God's got to do this and get this piece and get that piece, and God's got to know all God needs to do is. Speak the word. Just say the word. For that leper that said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He heard from heaven when Jesus said, I will be thou clean. When that blind Bartimaeus said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. He heard from heaven when Jesus said, I will receive your sight. When Jesus speaks the word. Amy, that's what we're waiting on today for you, sweetie. For heaven to speak the word. For the sound to come from heaven. Healing happens. He sent his word and healed them. 
when he sends his word, when he sends his word, he sent his word to a dead centurion's daughter. As they were going, here came some folks out to meet him and said, there's no need to bother the Savior anymore. She's dead. No need to keep going. She, she just died. Jesus said, put these people out of this room. Get these folks out of here. These announcers that things are dead, these proclaimers and declarers that things are dead and it's over and there's no need to go on and there's no use and it's over, just, just accept the fact. And Jesus said, get that kind of stuff out of here. Hey, I think the church of the Lord Jesus needs people that will stand up and say, great is our God and greatly to be praised. I believe the church needs to hear from heaven and say, we know in whom we have believed and we're persuaded that he's able to keep what we commit to him against that day. I believe the church should be filled with people that believe that God is a resurrector, that things that are thought dead can be resurrected, that lives that are thought to be useless, God can bring them purpose and plan again. He'll do for you what no other power can do. The reason Lucifer hates our worship so much is because he can't do it. In Ezekiel chapter 28, the Bible tells us that he was the anointed cherub. He was in charge of worship. There were none more beautiful than him. His name means son of the morning. Held a place of leadership and worship. Other angels couldn't just go up to God. You had to go through Lucifer. He was in charge. The angels would go to him and they'd give him their words of praise and to carry to God. But let me tell you what happened to Lucifer. He reached a place where he wasn't interested in worship flowing through him. He wanted worship to come to him. And the Bible said, and God said, you were the most anointed. You're the anointed cherub, God called him. Said, since you were created, said you were perfect until iniquity was found in you. Iniquity was found in you. And the Bible said he cast him out of heaven. And the Bible said, down to the ground. To the ground. So when God walked over. He could have just said a creative word like he did with the sun and the moon and the Milky Way and the stars. He could have just said man be and he would just have appeared. But God went over to the ground. Oh you, you, you'll, you'll get this in a minute. Went over to the ground and he shaped the dust and he breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he became a living soul. God created something that could worship him. God created something that could bless his name. God created something that could be a, a benefit and a blessing to all others because that ground had, had received that that bad spirit that had been cast out of heaven, God took that ground. It's part of his redemptive plan. That ground that had been cursed to receive Lucifer, God used it to form a blessing and a praiser and a worshiper. So you see what the devil has done in people's lives, God restores and takes something that has happened that's awful and tragic and makes a praiser and a blesser, and a server. And that's when, when we praise the Lord, that, that, that's, that's when the devil just gets so angry and so mad because it reminds him of what he used to be and what he used to have. But he no longer has it. No longer has it. And he tries to fight you from doing it because he's jealous. Wishes he could, but he can't. Only you can. Do you stand to your feet right now? 
And would you give God about 30 seconds of the best praise you've got? of his people. No wonder the Lord delights in our worship and delights in our praise. Great is our God and greatly to be praised. Greatly to be praised. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've heard from heaven. I've heard from heaven. I've heard from heaven. Now I found out what goes on in heaven. Jesus prayed it this way before you go. Jesus said, Lord, like it is in heaven, let it be on the earth. Brenda, what Jesus said was, I want you to treat the earth like I treat heaven. Let the will of God that's done in heaven, praise, be the same thing that's going on on earth. Is the Lord satisfied with you? Do you praise enough? Do you worship enough? I think every one of us would say, probably not, Pastor. Probably not. Well, I tell you what I want us to do. I want us to say, Lord, forgive me for not being the praiser you, all, you deserve. Forgive me for the times that I should have praised you and didn't. Forgive me for the times that I give credit to the devil for something was going on. And I should have given you credit for it because you were loving me through caring for me and desiring me. Lord, I repent of all the times that I should have recognized your hand at work, but I didn't. Lord, I repent of every time that I should have given you honor and give you glory and give you praise, but I failed to do that. But Lord, I purpose in my heart this morning right here, fresh from hearing a sermon about hearing from heaven, Lord, I pledge to you I'll be a praiser and I'll be a worshiper no matter who I'm around or who I'm with or whose presence I'm in, friend or foe, I will be a praiser and I'll be a worshiper. Hallelujah. Lord, I'll give you honor in all things. I will bless the Lord at all times. Your praise will continually be in my mouth. Lord, if I'm at school or if I'm at work or if I'm driving down the road, your praise will continually be in my mouth. No matter where I am at the emergency room or if I'm at the hospital or wherever I am at the funeral home or whatever, your praise will continually be in my mouth. I will yet praise Him. I will yet praise Him. I will yet praise Him. Praise God. One more time, would you just give Him some praise?